Welcome to the Militant Grind Show. Today, I have a guest by the name of Jonathan Green. He's a best-selling author. He actually, um, he's also an AI guy. He teaches people how to basically enhance their business with AI. And he's the owner of servenomaster.com. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem, man. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> so yeah, man, I, I just found out that you actually live on a tropical island as well, man. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah, a lot of people say that, like when they were like, oh, I want to build a business, then I'm going to move to an island, and I'm going to do this and that. And a lot of my friends said that, and then they all like started buying office space and locking in. I said, oh, wait, no, I really want to do that. Like, I want to travel and go to amazing places and mm -hmm. live on the beach and kind of do all that part. You just have to kind of commit to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you actually seen it through because people tell me, oh, I want to move to Bali and I want to move to Thailand and this is that and the third. And I'm like, we can make it happen. You know, you you probably have to have an online business, definitely, but it could, it could definitely happen, you know? So, um, so yeah, so speaking of that, I want to go over your journey into becoming an entrepreneur and doing which, what you do with, um, you know, with teaching people how to develop their business using AI. Yeah, so I was one of those people that never thought I could be an entrepreneur. I never saw myself that way. I never saw myself starting a business. Even when I was doing entrepreneurial things, I didn't see it that way. Mm -hmm. It was like a lot of people in education you're just really taught to listen and to hope to have a good job and that your boss is nice to you you're not really taught to live on the edge and to make decisions and to kind of pursue freedom you're just not taught that in our education system so i thought oh that's for other people it's not really for me and that really held me back for a long time so by the time i'm 29 at the peak of my industry had my quote-unquote dream job Mm -hmm. making $36,000 a year but they're like with benefits it's really worth 60 i was like yeah it's worth 60 if i get sick right? It only counts if you need those benefits. And I hated it. So I was working for a large university, one of the top 20 universities in America, running a $1.5 million project. And it was so much um, middle management, so much bureaucracy. They would give me a task like, all right, Jonathan, I want you working on this for the next six months. And I'll be done two hours later. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, because I'm a problem solver, one of the examples was they're like, oh, you have to plan trips and events for the people, but they have to cost zero. And I set up this amazing trip for the students because their sponsor happened to make a product that they're, that's used at a factory near us. And because we had an offsite campus, because there's like a hospital, there's another hospital near there that we could ride the vans for free. Mm -hmm. And so they were trying to stump me. They go, we well, can't even pay for transportation. I go, yeah, there's a free van. And it took me like an hour and a half to get that entire thing set up with a cost of hard zero. And it wouldn't cost a penny. And they were like, shocked because they thought it would take they thought i wouldn't be able to do it and it's like there's a lot of people who work in that environment that's where they thrive and there's a lot of passive aggressivism mm -hmm. there's a lot of like complaining i so they'd offered my job to someone else who turned it down she goes i don't want that job and she would come by my office all the time and talk about like how poor she is and how like she loves being poor because she can connect with her neighborhood i was like i've never had this conversation before mm -hmm. i never heard someone like i just love being poor and she was like Hey, how come you got a new chair? And I was like, I didn't get a new chair. This office went from no chair to one chair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it was that's not what new means, right? And then she would complain about like 
I got a new laptop, but again, there was just no computer in the office and they put a computer in, right? They installed stuff that came with the office that she would have had if she hadn't turned down the job. So I was there with this person all the time and I didn't really understand what was happening mm-hmm. at the time. I was like, I have no idea why this person's being passive aggressive. They turned down the job. That's to me, if someone offers you a job and you turn it down, that's your decision, right? Right. They only brought me in because in-house had said no. So, um, and I just had nothing to do all day. I would go for like six hour walks and try and fill the days and eventually just didn't work out. They fired me, which is the best thing that ever happened. Totally without cause, but I was like, I'm not going to fight this. I want out of here. And they fired me in a blizzard. And I was like, best thing that ever happened. They freed me. Within Where six were you months, I was making more than time. my boss. Within a year, this is Nashville. So I was making, oh. yeah, I was making more than my boss within six months and more than her boss within a year. And mm-hmm. People in that there's a certain type of person that thrives in a corporate environment, or especially it's more like government. Really, that's what higher education is like. That's why tuition is going through the roof because you just pay for everyone who's not a teacher, just these exorbitant salaries for people that are like just in these lifetime jobs. They don't really accomplish anything and they just live off of it. And it just becomes this really just bureaucracy thing, right? It's the same that happens when you go to the DMV. That's where most of us Mm -hmm. experience that. It's like, it takes an insane amount of time to renew your license. I remember one time they're like, you have to bring in a bunch of letters to prove you've moved to your new address. And then it finally got all the letters together. And she pulls up and goes, oh, you're already in here. Whoops. And I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like just make me crazy, right? Like she never, she pretended to look the previous three times. So yeah. there's very much that people have a job that is protected in certain ways and higher education is very protected. Even if you don't have tenure, mm-hmm. as long as you don't rock the boat and you same thing, you just get this bad experience. So getting fired i was like you know what i never want someone to be able to shout at me again or to hurt my ability to support my family again so i really wanted to break free of that and i said i'm never gonna have a boss ever again because i just realized that 99 percent of the time your boss hates you right your boss is just thinking oh i wish i could hire a robot instead of this person right we're seeing (laughs) that now with ai right it's like your boss no matter how much loyalty you put into a company we all know people that have put 20 years into a company and the, the company fired them three months before retirement so they wouldn't have to give them the retirement benefits or they fired them on Christmas. Mm-hmm. So many people have been on Christmas or right after the birth of a child. So I was fortunate that I was single at the time and I just said, I'm going to hit the ground running. I can figure this out if I just focus 100% of my attention on it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I had a conversation with someone earlier today who was complaining about a product they bought that didn't work. And it was like, they didn't try it. They said, oh, I found out I had to do Facebook ads, so I just didn't do that. I was like, well, that's not the product's fault. And then I talked about another thing. I said, listen, here's an if you want to try this other idea, here's what you can do for free. And she goes, I don't have time for that. I was like, yeah, the problem is not, no course you buy is going to work if you don't add implementation. Like no system, no business, because a lot of people forget the business part of online business. You still got to put in that grind. And that's with any job. Mm Mm-hmm. So from there, I started just different ideas. I started off selling SEO services in the area. Eventually, I moved to larger clients that were different places so I could travel. So I was like, I don't want to be stuck meeting people at Panera Bread because Panera has free Wi-Fi. That's my favorite spot. rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah. I always meet clients at Panera or um, Starbucks, then free Wi-Fi. And McDonald's has free Wi-Fi Mm -hmm. too, but clients don't really like that. It's not the right environment to meet someone. So Panera Bread seems to be that middle sweet spot. Yeah, you have like a soup and sandwich together, or panini, and close the deal. I was eating a lot of them paninis, and it's a phase. It was like a phase of the business, and it's how I started making money. I was like, I'll get someone to pay me to do mm-hmm. SEO, and then I'll go take an SEO course or pay for SEO software, and it worked. 
mm-hmm. for a couple of years. So built a really cool business. And then I just transitioned out of that into product creation, building courses about building an SEO business. And that's really where you go from shoveling to selling shovels. Yeah. And that really began my journey of creating products, which led to creating courses and writing books. And all of that is really what drives all my revenue. Now that's my business. Mm-hmm. And so um, are you taking your experience as an entrepreneur and doing SEO and like, how are you, what are you using from your background to actually like create these courses and write these books and stuff like that? Yeah. So I moved away from SEO because SEO gets an update three times a year. And if you notice example, it will tell you, oh, your blog post has to be 3000 words. You, when I started a blog post had to be 800 words. Then it was 1500. That was 3000. Now it's like 15,000 words. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to read a 15,000. That's a small book. Yeah. And for some reason, like SEO has decreased the quality of blogs. When I started my first blog in 2007, I just wrote stories about things that happened to me, mm-hmm. like about my dating life and how bad I was at dating. And I remember one of my stories was I was talking to a girl on a date and I said, I think we should kiss. And she goes, I don't think so. And then a bird pooped on her. <laughs> and I was like, you got I'm like, you got to be real careful with that karma. Yeah, right. <laughs> she didn't right. think that was funny at all. Right. I was like, man, you, I was like, you should have said yes. Cause you would have mm-hmm. moved over here. You'd be safe. But one thing I learned is that if a bird poops on a woman, she's not kissing anyone that night. So I learned right. that lesson. There's no way to undo that feeling. Right. right. There's no fix, no matter how funny you are, but you could write about stuff like that and get a huge following. There's this blog called Julia, Julia, where a woman just blogged about trying to cook every recipe from Julia Child's book, the joy of French cooking. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. And you can't do that anymore. There's no more blogs like that where you tell stories or that are narrative or that are just, oh, this is someone's journey. Right. It's all been replaced by like Instagram where it's just Photoshop pictures, unfortunately. So a lot of what I really started off doing was I was um, just people would hire me to make a product for them. So someone called me and they said, hey, we love your blog. Would you be write, willing to write a, a book for women? So I wrote this book called Girl Gets Ring. Um, I think it sold one to 2 million copies, which is amazing. Like really, that's why I still get paid royalties now. Mm-hmm. Every time it sells, I get $1.67. I get a payment, a wire transfer every Wednesday when it hits enough sales, which is really, really and cool. That's what I discovered. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And it sold how many copies? Uh, A lot. I know that I've been paid over $100,000 for it. Oh, you said, I thought you said a million something. Oh, okay. Well, I get, yeah. So it's definitely, that was in the first year. So I get $1.67 every time there's a sale and I've been paid. That's when I stopped tracking it. Since then I've been paid way more. I don't know how many copies and sometimes they get paid less if an affiliate sells it, mm-hmm. but overall it's generated millions of dollars. I think it's a million, two couple million dollars in sales because $67 book. Mm-hmm. And I oh, just get $1.67. Wow. So I get a small little piece, a small yeah. little, little taste. Yeah gate that opened a lot of doors for me to make products with other people. So I was making products for hire for a long time. Mm-hmm. And eventually um, I made my own first product uh, two years later and about teaching people how to do SEO. Mm-hmm. And that sold 1,760 copies at $7 a piece in one day. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. This is like, just hearing that ding, 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 seven, <laughs> seven, 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 seven. Right. It was so good. And it showed me what's possible. Like the first time I sent an email and made a thousand dollars, I was like, this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. This is an unbelievable world of possibilities. It got me really excited. So that became what I was doing. I tried to stay in the relationship space, but it just never, it's not as easy. It's much easier to be in the business space. So that's really where I'm at now. And especially since I got married, started having kids. Um, 
I just basically sold off all of that part of my business to someone else. They run it and I make money there sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's not interesting to me anymore. You know, dating has completely changed the last 15 years. Now everyone only does online dating or everyone's like only doing different. It's just which app you use. Right. It's very impersonal. I'm not that I'm an in-person guy. That's when I shine. Mm-hmm. It's with my chat, not with my profiles. So the world has passed me by, but I really shifted into building online courses full time. And then in 2015, one of my clients didn't release the product. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, can I just throw this, turn this into a book and throw it on Amazon? It became the number one bestseller on potty training for like a year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's a real opportunity here to put books out. So a year later, I wrote my book, Serve No Master. It came out August, 2016. It was just gangbusters. At one point it was number two on all of Amazon, just behind one thriller, but ahead of Harry Potter only for one day, but that's still enough, right? It gets right, you a lot of right. attention. Heck yeah. And from there, I've just started building out an audience, started making more expensive products under my own name, kind of full business products. And then in the last year, I've just really pivoted into AI. I saw a huge opportunity to be a practical AI teacher, right? I don't teach what's Mm -hmm. cool. I just teach what works. There's a lot of demonstrations and software that's either really expensive or cool, but has no practical application for a real business. Like there's no really ethical use for a business that's doing like a celebrity's voice without their permission, right? There's right. no real use for that. So I don't care about that stuff. I really focus on what can a small business owner or someone who's working for a company learn about AI quickly mm-hmm. to kind of protect themselves because the people who are most vulnerable really are people who are a little bit older, like my age and older, 40 plus who go, oh, I'm not going to learn that AI thing. They're all going to be fired in two or three years. Like every single one of them is going to be without a job because they're not listening yeah. To the warning, I'm shouting, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. The market is going to change. What happens when they replace all the workers with robots? You want to be the robot repairman. Right. Like there's always something you can do. And that's really the centerpiece of what I teach now. And a lot of the information out there doesn't work. I read a bunch of books on ChatGPT and I was like, oh, this is why no one uses it. They're bad instructions. They give people stuff that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's clear the person had ChatGPT write the book. So all these people are reading the book, trying ChatGPT, getting a bad result and going, oh, I guess this doesn't work. And those are the people that are in the worst shape because they said, oh, no, I tried it and it didn't work. Yeah. And then when they get swept away by people who read my book, tried and it works, it's a tough situation to be in. So I'm really trying to educate people about the fact that we're in a window. There's a window of opportunity right now where it's optional. The mm-hmm. optional window will close sometime in the next 18 to 36 months and it will go from optional to mandatory. Imagine this. Would you hire an accountant who said they don't use spreadsheets? No. No. Spreadsheets didn't exist 20 years ago, right? Technologies come and they go through a phase where it's like, oh, cool. My accountant's learning spreadsheets. That's pretty cool too. If my accountant doesn't use spreadsheets, I'm not working with them, right? Or it's like someone's like, yeah, I do your taxes, but I don't use any tax software. What? I just do it all by hand. Right, no. Nah. <laughs> right. you, your accountant pulls out an abacus. Like my yeah. kids have an abacus. They think of it as a toy. They don't realize like I learned to use one of those as a kid. I know how to use it as a math tool. Mm-hmm. But that's the difference is that people don't realize it's not a fad. We're in the phase where there's a lot of like pseudo AI tools, but that's going to fade away when the real tools will kind of rise to the top. And it's like you either adapt or you die. Yeah. That's what I feel like uh, the yeah. everything is going right now. It's like you either have to do this or you're going to fail. Like one of the reasons why I started my podcast and started a personal brand is that I feel like if I do not have this, there's no way I'm going to be able to market. There's no way I'm going to be able to get out there. No one's going to see me. You know, there's no there's no such thing as a guy behind the scenes anymore. 
You know, like people want to reference someone and know who they are, you know? Yeah, it's possible that the market will fracture and everyone will swallow, like will follow like a smaller creator, a smaller show. So mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, there's a thousand people that listen to your show, but they're super loyal and not listening to other shows. And I think that's something interesting that's going to happen to where, yeah, there's smaller loyalties. Like, yeah, I want to follow someone who if I send in a message or a mailbag, they're going to read it, right? Right. Like if you send a letter into a larger show, the odds of them reading it are basically zero. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a lot, especially in the influencer space, I think there's the opportunity for fracturing, which is I hope what happens where people that have like five or 10,000 followers can actually make a living from that following. So there could be some very cool things coming around, especially because AI just makes you faster, right? You can create yeah. more Instagram posts, do better hashtags, edit your photos so they look nicer, create content faster. So everything it does is an accelerant. Mm -hmm. I really see AI not as a replacement, but it's an accelerant, but it does mean that like a lot of employees, if you want to keep your job, you have to be like, hey, no, I've learned to use AI. I can do 10 times more for the same money as I was doing before, right? Mm -hmm. That's really the VAs and assistants who are going to thrive is the ones who learn to use AI. The ones who don't or who make excuses, they're going to be left behind. It's unfortunate, right. but I think it applies to every part of the market. Anyone who learns to use AI tools is going to have a massive advantage for the next few years and then be ahead for the next 10 to 15 years because they learned it first back when it was optional while everyone else is kind of doing remedial mm -hmm. yeah i definitely use ai for my business i'm i'm, I'm completely so like it edits my videos captions all kind of stuff seo it's like it's it's phenomenal man like a couple of years ago it didn't exist and it was very tough you know time consuming and expensive now it's like okay now you just hire a robot does it for you like this you know <laughs> yeah yeah. When I started my podcast six years ago, seven years ago, I had to edit each episode myself, remove mm -hmm. background noise, do a fingerprint noise reduction, I had to go through and remove every time I say and so or um, manually, like I'd have to listen to it. Then you have to make a transcript, which was brutal. You either do it by hand or use software that would do it with no punctuation. Mm -hmm. And then you had to make show notes, which was really hard and make the links clickable in the show notes. Then you had to write a blog post that goes with it and put it, upload everything, kind of get it all going. It was a huge amount of work that was all very manual. So either you did it yourself or you paid someone else to do it, which can get really expensive. Like a lot of people that edit a podcast episode, it gets expensive. Yeah. And it really starts to end up if you have a small show that's not making money yet. I've seen in different markets where like you spend more on editing than you're making from the show. And that's a really tough place to be in. So mm -hmm. with AI tools now, AI tools can do all the research for you. It can research the guest. It can read their book and tell you questions to ask. It can read their website. It can listen to past interviews and say, oh, when he got asked this question, he got annoyed. Make sure you don't ask this. Because you know, everyone has like that question that makes them really mad. Yeah. You don't want to actually answer it. Like the one that like every celebrity has walked out of an interview based on a question. And sometimes it makes sense. And sometimes it's like a weird personal question. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to talk about that. So mm -hmm. all of that data, which usually takes research, like these late night shows, some of them have like 300 employees. Oh. And I'm like, that's a lot of employees for a show. I don't know anyone who watches. Like, I don't know anyone who watches those shows. They've been off the air for like six months and no one noticed. Yeah. It just tells you like, they have to do these massive amounts of research. And it also just goes to show that like, yeah, I mean, if I had 20 people writing everything I was going to say to you, I should be funny. <laughs> like, I've got 20 people writing jokes. I should be hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like they have these massive writers room, these massive staffs. And what we're finding out is that you can now run a business much leaner. The real advantage is that you don't have to outsource as much. You still can some things, and then you just give your outsource to the tools so that they can be faster. Mm -hmm. Like maybe your video editor now, they can edit five episodes in what used to take them two episodes. That's a huge difference. It saves you money and you're more efficient or you can record more episodes. 
You can do better research. You ask better questions. You can create the show notes automatically. You can create the all of the editing automatically. There's software that will automatically flip back and forth on the video between you and me because that's like mm-hmm. a whole thing you have to do manually in the past. That used to be a job where a person would just push camera one, camera two, camera one, camera two, based on who's talking. All of that, removing that saves so much time. There's software that will remove background noise in real time or afterwards in case you get like a bad recording. All sorts of tools out there that just make life a lot easier, especially mm-hmm. for the solopreneur or for the person with a small team. You can do now with like two or three employees what you used to need 30 employees for. So it's really making the opportunity for the smaller creator more than anything else. And so one thing I do have to ask, because when it comes to AI, there's so many different websites out there and you kind of have to like, you know, I use TikTok to search which AI tools are best for this or that and the third, right? So is there like a hub or something? Because I don't even know what you what you mentioned until you mentioned it, you know? So how could someone actually know what's out there? Like, is there a hub? Is there a website? Is there like one source They'd be like, hey, these are the possibilities for your business. It's mathematically impossible for anyone to keep you updated on AI unless you're using an AI tool. So I looked at Product Hunt the other day. There were 67 new products announced on there, and 21 of them were AI tools. They had AI in the name or the keywords. If there's 21 new AI products come out every single day, I would have to, if I spend three minutes looking at each one's homepage, that's an hour per day just to know roughly what they promised. To actually test a tool yeah. takes a huge amount of time. What I really recommend for most people is like just get good at ChatGPT and just get good at an image generator. You really, there's only three or four image generators that are any good. You either want to be using Stable Diffusion XL, Midjourney, Leonardo. Those are really the three that are, you just choose one. You don't have to learn all three. Midjourney, I think, is the best one because it's the lowest learning curve. Mm-hmm. And you just want to start there. You don't have to do other tools for a long time. And those two combined, it's $32 a month. And you have what you need to do almost everything. With those two tools, anything you'd pay someone on Fiverr to do is now replaced. Right. It can cover every single Fiverr task, making your show notes, making your podcast image, making a different image for every single episode of your podcast, making graphics for a blog post that goes to your podcast, writing the blog post, editing the blog post, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. adding internal linking, all of these things that we used to use, we still use software tools for. Now one AI tool can do them all. And it's what's really cool is that it's really like a Swiss army knife of tools. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's really amazing. And so how would someone um, get started with chat GPT? Like someone has no idea what it is, how to use it. Cause when I first started using, I just started just asking questions. It was just like, Oh, wow, this is cool. But now I kind of know, like it could write a song for you. It could do, you know, all kinds of things, yeah. you know? you want to start off asking questions like, hey, ChatGPT, what are the 10 best things you can do? And it will give you 10 things that are like silly, but it'll mm-hmm. give you a sense of it. Like, oh, I do, I'm a marketer. What are 10 ways you can help me market? Mm-hmm. And you can ask questions like, hey, what programming languages do you know? Right. What do you know about coded language? What do you know about teaching um, phonics to a kid, which is called coding, right? Mm-hmm. All these things are very interesting that it knows. So what you have is a massive amount of generalized knowledge, but almost no specific knowledge. That's why you need the human plus chat GBT. So where I would right. start with, I'll give you a great example is a friend of mine was making a course and it had like a fill in the blank and in the brackets was just ideal customer. And I was like, you can't do that. Nobody knows their ideal customer. This is a this is what every small business ha- ha- goes through this exercise and struggles because it's a really hard question. Mm-hmm. How do I know my ideal customer if I don't have any customers? 
if I have 10 customers, is my ideal customer just the average of them or the average of seven who spend the most money? Mm-hmm. All of that's really hard. So I said, you just asked ChatGPT. I said, ChatGPT, I want to figure out who my ideal customer is. Please ask me questions until we figure out the answer. And asked me about, and it posted like 10 questions. I said, stop. One, one question at a time, please. Don't overwhelm me. And I answered about seven of them and then wrote out an analysis of my ideal customer for one of my products. Mm-hmm. And it was so well done. So by starting... The best way to get good at ChatGPT is always start with a question, not a command. Say, I want to do this. What information do you need? Mm-hmm. So example, another example is, is like, oh, I want to write a piece of software that does this. What programming language do you recommend? And it will talk to you. And then you say, how hard is it to install this? Like I was asking about building a software on a website. And I was like, oh, you have to install this JavaScript repository. And then you have to connect the front end with the back end. And I was like, nope, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But it let me know the level of complexity. I was like, how many steps to install this? He goes, here's the 12 steps to install if we build a software. And I knew right away, this is beyond my ability mm-hmm. because I know what I can and can't do. I can yeah. do, I can copy and paste like a champion. Mm-hmm. But once we get beyond that, we're doing like integrations and some code stuff that's really complicated. I can't do that stuff if I don't understand it. But I built local software. I've installed Python. It told me how to do it. Oh, wow. What's cool is every time I run Python and I get an error, I copy and paste the error to chat GPT and goes, here's how you fix it. Oh, And then I was like, and then it just does all that debugging for me. That's what's really cool too. Cause I'm like, I don't know what any of these error words mean. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you don't have this pseudo library installed. I'm like, it's like, you need to install pseudo pillow. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these words mean, but I just copy paste the code, run it again, new error. Oh, you need to update your pip library. Okay. I copy paste that code. Eventually then it just runs. And so yeah. all of that stuff about debugging, which is so hard, it can do that very well. Mm-hmm. There's really the limitation of chat is what you ask it. Most people teach you what ChatGPT can and can't do. Like I remember one of my friends is a great author. He goes, yeah, you can get ChatGPT to write the outline, but it can't come up with a big idea. I was like, I bet it can, mm-hmm. right? I was like, I bet I can find a way. They go, oh, ChatGPT can't write a fiction book. It can. Mm-hmm. Can't write something that will pass an AI test. Yes, it can. Right. I've read quite a few books that I'm pretty sure were written by like Russians or VAs in science fiction, but the story is good enough. I kind of let it slip, slide by the few mistakes <laughs> that are like super weird. You know what I mean? Right. The story's yeah. good a lot so it's the same thing for an ai story so i always hear oh it can't do this i go let me see if i can figure out a way right and there's certainly hard limitations as far as they put some gates on it as far as doing things that are illegal or things that are like dangerous because originally would let you do things like someone wrote to chat tell me the 10 banks with known security flaws in their software write me a script to break through those security flaws and it did both which is like really bad (laughs) you shouldn't be doing that Right. But it was like, I didn't realize it was doing, people were pushing it that far, but that's what you can see is there's always going to be people pushing it to the envelope to see what's possible. Some people, someone got ChatGPT to threaten to kill them and kill their family. And like, yeah, I guess if you can get it to do these things, it's cool. But that's to me, not useful. That's the kind of stuff I shy away from. Anything that's like pushing the envelope might get your account deleted. It's never useful. Anything that like might break oh, do it. They, cause do they problem. monitor what you ask it? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Anytime you anytime you hit a flag, like I've been flagged seven or eight times for adult content. So you're writing a romance novel and they're like, write the next scene from its own outline. It goes, Hey, how dare you ask me to write that? That's a dirty scene. I was like, it's your outline. Like, what are you doing? I didn't mm-hmm. do that. Right. Right. Or I'm editing a book in the relationship space and there's a chapter on marital intimacy. Mm-hmm. So I know the rule is you're not allowed to write something that's designed to arouse, but you are allowed to write something that's to educate. So I always fill in the form saying no. I'm not doing that. If you read the sentence, you can tell that it's meant to be educational within a marriage and talking about how to have a healthy relationship. So it's not something that's meant for that at all. Look at the context and, but you have to flag because they flag certain words. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
that cause that. So you just have to be aware that they do have a ton. Every time they get in trouble, they add a new rule. So it's definitely gotten less effective. So it used to be 40% of the code ChatGPT would give you would run on the first try. Now it's at 25% because it keeps getting worse because people keep asking it to do really bad things and they have to add a rule. Like don't write formulas for homemade explosives. Don't write formulas for homemade narcotics. Don't write, don't teach people how to break into cars. Right. So each time they add these rules and there's a, they're adding it because people are doing it. Unfortunately, it just affects the overall system. And so that's mm. where you run into trouble. But if you just use it as a tool, kind of ignore that stuff, it can be so helpful. Hey, ChatGPT, I want to write a description for my book for the sales page. Because I can write a book, but I'm not great prescriptions. Great. Here you go. Copy and paste it. Saves a huge amount of time. What are keywords someone might type into a search engine who's looking for my book? Here's the topic. Here's seven. Copy and paste them. Huge time saving. So there's mm -hmm. really amazing things it can do that saves a massive amount of time. And it starts with asking a question to figure out what it can do. So many times I'm working on something and I go, what am I doing? I should ask ChatGPT first. Like I have ChatGPT edits all my books now. Wow. It saves a huge amount of time because it never misspells. It never makes a grackle sync. So I'm turning in a rough draft to a client. If I'm ghostwriting, I'll run the entire book through ChatGPT because there's way less errors, right? I'll say, just fix grammar and spelling. Don't change anything else. Mm -hmm. maintain the rough draft. And now the person gets delivered a rough draft that's better than I used to deliver. Because in the past, I was like, I'm not fixing the grammar and spelling when you might delete a chapter, you're going to change parts of the book. It doesn't make sense. Right. Now we're in a different yeah. situation where it's quick and efficient. ChatGPT edited entirely my book, um, ChatGPT Profits. I had I ran it through ChatGPT and edited it. It was really an arduous process because I wouldn't let it change a lot of the sections because it it's basically me talking, then it's me prompting, and then ChatGPT responding. So the prompting responses, I don't change. Even if I have a misspelling, I keep it in the book because that's honest. Because yeah. you need to see the conversation. A lot of ChatGPT books just show the prompt and mm -hmm. tell you what kind of result I get. That's not useful. I don't want to hear half the conversation. I want to see both. Right. And some people complain about that. That was something I faced directly. And I was like, no, it's just to me. The book is longer, but you can't learn if you can't see the actual response because then you don't know. If you copy and paste what I write and you get a different response, you don't know unless you have my response to compare to. So people that get it, get it mm -hmm. and see the value of that. Because when I read other people's books, I was like, these books don't work. There's a reason they're not including the responses because the responses will have the error. Right. So I have to write something that has an authenticity to it. And I knew going in, I even have a section that says, listen, if you're going to complain that I show both sides of the conversation, this is mm -hmm. not the book for you because you want a book that just has instructions, doesn't tell you don't know if they work or not. That's right. not this book. It's not how I write. That's not how I do things because it's not useful for me as a user. Mm -hmm. I need to see what you prompted and what response you got. Like if someone gives me a list of like a hundred image generation prompts and not the images, I have to go and do all of them to see what's going to happen. That's not useful to me. So I always think about usefulness and giving people a quick result so they can really figure out what's happening. Right. Right. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so um, say for any business, well, Let's just say someone that owns a mom and pop shop, right? And they're trying to get online and, you know, market yeah. their business and stuff like that. Um, how would you, what what would you say is the most useful practice of using chat GPT for someone with just like a, a typical average business? Yeah, I would start to look at things that I could do faster, right? Like I would ask chat TV for marketing ideas, say, hey, what are things you can do to help me grow my business? What are areas I can use AI to grow my business? Mm -hmm. I would ask it for ideas, you know, because there's so many things a small business can do that they don't do, whether it's forming alliances with other businesses in the area, whether it's doing online advertising or starting a Facebook ads campaign. There's so many things you can do 
Mm-hmm. that the possibilities are kind of endless, but it starts with, you just say, here's what I'm doing now. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Throw some ideas at me. And you just go, Oh, I hate eight of these, but two of these are cool. And that's really how I would start. So many things that just helps you to do things faster, whether you're writing emails or writing ads or designing graphics and making flyers, all these things you used to have to pay someone to do. You don't anymore. So now you can make really good flyers. If you want to have an event without having to spend money on them, right? It saves you a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. You can send out emails without having to pay a copywriter. You can do a lot of things now that you don't have to hire someone for, which means you can test ideas. Hey, we can have a mascot on our flyers. I don't have to pay someone to draw me a mascot. That could be the game changer for you, right? Now mm-hmm. you have a, you get to turn to a costume. Someone's out front wearing the costume makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So I don't always know what's going to move the needle for a business. I just know that it will. Every single business can benefit from the use of AI to figure things out. Now, for some businesses, it could be different. It could be things like inventory management AIs to help them better order and things like that. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because that's like a more complexity. But just with ChatGPT and just image generation, every single business can make better social media posts, more frequent social media posts, and interact with their customers better. And that's always a win. Mm-hmm. And are there tools within ChatGPT that will allow someone to do that? Yeah. So ChatGPT, has, if you have the paid version, which is $20 a month, it gives you access to a ton of beta features. They're constantly releasing new features, internet access. They have tons of plugins mm-hmm. that can do everything from give you guitar note chords to watch a YouTube video and transcribe it for you and give you notes on that. So there's a huge repository of plugins that just really expand what it can do. Mm-hmm. And But even just the vanilla version of ChatGPT with no plugins can do so much. It can help you design a new logo. It can help you design a new marketing campaign. It can help you design write emails. It will help you with anything that you're doing. It can accelerate you. So anything that's boring and repetitive, it's really great at. Mm-hmm. I use it all the time for really simple tasks like, oh, I have a list here, but the whole list is in quotes. Remove all the quotes. Or I have a list that has all the numbers. Remove the number at the beginning so I can copy and paste it easier. Things like that that are kind of repetitive and annoying, it can make a huge difference for me. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now I have to get the paid version and figure some things out. I feel like maybe I should go somewhere for a week and just lock myself in the room with chat GPT and just see what happens. You know, <laughs> it's like amazing things can happen. It's constantly updating it. So the first time I asked it, like, what programming languages do you know? It knew seven. The next time I asked it, like a month later, it knew 12. Then it knew 15. Now it probably knows 50. So it is learning new things and they're adding in like programming languages and abilities. So it mm-hmm. is a living tool that's getting faster, slower, faster, slower. It gets add more features, then they have to pull them back because someone does something bad. Then they add more features and pull it back. So it's a very much evolving tool that if it couldn't do something last week, maybe it could do it next week. Right. Wow. Yeah. I'm Man, a couple of years ago, um, a lot of people were becoming software engineers because it was such a growing industry. But now a lot of software engineers are losing their job because ChatGPT and AI could program faster than they can. No. Yeah. So the way it really works is that a program with ChatGPT is faster. I could never write a software program as good as a programmer, right? I can do Mm -hmm. basic stuff with ChatGPT, but it's really an accelerant. So a programmer learns ChatGPT has a massive advantage. So if you have two programmers and one learns ChatGPT and one doesn't, the one who doesn't, they've made an active decision to obsolete themselves that's a choice Mm -hmm. but you don't have really an option because it's like oh i can write 10 times as much code in a single day and the other person goes yeah i don't want to be able to do that that's a decision right to stay a step behind it's the accountant who says i don't use calculators Mm -hmm. it's the college student who says oh i don't do online research 
right? I just go and use the card catalog to look for mm -hmm. books in the library. That's an active decision to say, hey, I'm not going to use a new technology. And that's absolutely fine. But every decision we make has consequences. Right. Right. Yeah. So you're like pro <laughs> chat GPT. <huh? laughs> you know, it makes sense. The genie's out of the bottle. It's not. Yeah. You know, that's the issue. Everyone thought when Napster came out, Oh, if record companies sue them enough, we'll go back to buying CDs. That didn't work. Mm -hmm. They sued their customers. Bands were suing their customers. Everyone got accused of stealing. But it just doesn't matter. Sometimes an emergent technology changes everything. Now, we don't really know how ChatGPT is going to change the whole world or if it's even going to be a different GPT model or different AI tools or whatever's going to happen. Mm -hmm. We just know that the genie's out of the bottle and now things are possible and you just have to see it as an accelerant. It's not a replacement. It's absolutely not. It's like an Iron Man suit. The suit doesn't work unless someone's on the inside. Right, right. So if you combine ChatGPT's general knowledge with your specialized knowledge, that's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. That's why if you take a graphic designer doing stuff with AI art, they're going to do better than what I could ever do. Right. You take a high-level copywriter, they're going to get a better result from copywriting with ChatGPT. You take a novelist, they're going to get a novelist response. So you're always going to be an accelerant. And whatever you're already good at is going to be better. It just makes every, it lowers everyone's bottom skill a little bit. Everyone's kind of a good generalist now. Mm -hmm. That's really how it's kind of even the playing field. But it's just the people who say, I'm a specialist, but I'm not going to use this tool. That's a decision. That's the only people that are going to let behind. Right. That's why I'm trying to tell everyone now, you can learn to use this tool now while it's optional, because in a few years, it won't be optional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I definitely got to get on it. That's for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah, man. So um, is there any advice? Well, I, I kind of asked this question, but then let me just reword it. Is there anything that you would tell someone that's kind of like, um, you know, oh, I'm, I feel like you answered a lot of these questions that I'm trying to ask, but it's like, I want to know, like for someone that's kind of like, man, I don't want to do it. I don't, you know, I don't see myself using it or something like that. Like, how would you show them that this is just important and vital for them to, you know, succeed in the future? Sure. The first thing I'll say is that every single person in business that uses, doesn't use AI within three years will be out of business. All of them. Mm -hmm. Every single person who says, I haven't learned how to use AI, they'll be unemployable. Now, maybe if you're a truck driver or a delivery man for UPS, it's possible that they won't use any AI tools, but probably they're going to use AI tools to like optimize routes, right? So even if you don't know what there's going to be AI tools happening, mm -hmm. but for most jobs, if you go, yeah, listen, I don't do math. That's how it's going to sound. And you go, I don't do calculators. Yeah. Right. I don't do computers that's fine, but you don't work here, right? right? Because if you can hire an employee who's could do 10 tasks a day, an employee who could do three tasks a day, why would you ever hire the other employee? Mm -hmm. So that's what's really going to happen. So it's fine. You can make a decision to be like, I'm not going to use AI. It doesn't matter for my business. But three years from now, when you're getting fired, you can remember this conversation. It's like the ant and the cricket, like the ants prefer for winter and the cricket doesn't. Well, you've made a decision, right? Because you heard my voice and you said, you know what? I'm actively going to choose not to learn this technology. Mm -hmm. That's fine. So that's an active decision. Totally fine. You have the right to make it. It's going to happen. I Listen, I wish it wasn't that case. I wish we weren't shifting towards a mandatory like software technology, but it, that's just what's going to happen. Right. The second thing I'll say is if you want to learn, what you have to do is release your fear. Most people are afraid of looking stupid. That's our greatest fear. Mm -hmm. 
the AI doesn't care. Like I have that same fear too. I'm like, oh, I don't want to ask a stupid question. Let go of that fear. Don't be afraid to look stupid. That's when you can really shine. That's when you ask the right questions. You're going to get that creativity mm-hmm. and things can start to get a lot better. When we let fear hold us back, that's like the worst place to be. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's what stops a lot of us. Well, I'm not sure old dogs uh, learning new tricks is because we want to just stay comfortable and, you know, stay with what we know, you know? This is unfortunately a time where that's not an option anymore because (laughs) it's technology and it's cheap, right? It's ubiquitous. Oh, I can't afford to learn it. It's $20 a month or free. There's so many free AIs, right? What are you going to do? There's an open source free AI. Now what's your excuse? You can't afford Mm -hmm. free? Right. Right? Oh, I don't want to learn how to do it because it would take an hour a day for a couple of weeks. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and what's going to happen is that people are going to come out of college Having learned nothing from college, we've gotten really good at AI. And they're like, yeah, I could do 50 times what that guy does for 10 times his salary. Right. There's going to be one of those sweeps where everyone young, because my kids can do things with tablets because they've never experienced a non-touch screen. Right. That I just can't do. Like, I don't have that natural ability. Mm-hmm. It's like that scene in Back to the Future when he's playing the game where you hold the light gun and the kids are like, gross, you have to hold a gun? Like, right, right. you don't just control with your mind? Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Like, young children they grow up in a certain way they grow up with computers i grew up there were not computers everywhere no. right like there was one computer at school that we shared i remember when my family got a computer when i was like six it was like amazing mm-hmm. now the thought of a family getting a first computer when a kid is six and the kid's never seen a computer for no way <laughs> right it's nah. completely changed now it's like the thought of a kid being like i've never seen i never saw a smartphone until i was like 25 they didn't exist mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now they're everywhere there's these the your phone is more powerful than the calculators that they used to put spaceship on the moon in the sixties. Like it's that much more powerful. There's so much power in our phones and so much technology. We kind of don't pay attention. Right. And I think within the next few years, AIs are going to be in your phone. Then it's going to be in a little watch. I mean, and that's what Siri is. You know, Siri's AI. And we've been having that on our phone for a while. Like, you know, ask Siri a question, ask Siri this, that's, that's artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's crazy because the kids nowadays, it's kind of like they're born knowing what to do with this te- technology. Like my son, I watch my kids play video games. And I'm like, I have no idea how he's making this happen. You know, they do things that I just never imagined. Like I'm, you know, because I was born I, I, when I was playing video games, it was simple. You know, this do, 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 you know, Mario, you know, two, three moves and that's it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that like my kids are playing minecraft and they're like oh i have to maintain 50 resources and mix them to make different things and i want to make a throne but i have to have these ingredients mm-hmm. they learn these things and they just have this different approach same thing with roblox it's all yeah. sorts of stuff so we are technologies just kind of go through those phases right like first remember there was um like a car phone mm-hmm. and so you could only get a car attached to your phone in the 80s and like wow that guy's so rich it's cost like a hundred thousand dollars to install a car phone then there was a cell phone that was like part of a briefcase and you'd have to spin out the satellite dish. Yeah. And then eventually it was like a phone that like a person could have, but it was really big and mm-hmm. sounded terrible because it was analog. And all of those now have become ubiquitous. Like nobody would ever understand if you said you had a car phone, people are like, what? Yeah, my car is attached. My phone's attached to the car. Why? Right. right. It sounds crazy. My kids have no idea what a pager is. I had a pager when I was 16. It was so cool. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, I'm finally connected to the world. People can page me, and I can go to payphone <laughs> and call them back." Right? Wow, yeah, page you can't use it. Right. So there's so much 
changing and it's happening very fast. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid, I would have to teach my dad, here's how you use email. Here's how you do this. Here's how you use a word processor. Like, cause it was just, that's what happens. Your kids end up teaching you how to use technologies and hey, dad, let me help you set up the internet. Now we have like high speed internet instead of AOL and all these things. So you're going to, it's going to happen to everyone. Like there's going to be a point where my kids are teaching technology to me. This may be the last big technology that I really learn. Mm-hmm. And, but this is a big one. This is yeah. one that it's really adapt or die. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. So um, one thing in closing, is there anything that you will like? Well, you said a lot. Okay. Forget it. I'm not going to say that. So how would people contact you? Uh, what message do you want to give out to people? How can they find you? You know, and what do you actually provide people that are trying to learn uh, chat GPT? Sure. The first thing I recommend is reading my book, ChatGPT Profits. You can find a link to it at servemaster.com forward slash AI. That's serve no master forward slash AI. If you can't remember that, just Google serve no master and you'll find me in all my books. That's really designed to be the entry point. If you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription, you can read the book absolutely free. I send you a copy of all of the prompts in a Google Doc that you can copy and paste and really test them with the free or paid versions of ChatGPT to get a real chance to sink your teeth. And that's the best place to start to really experiment with it. I just recommend that you start small. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You have to buy really expensive software. The basic stuff really works, but you just have to try it. The main thing is that don't be afraid of making mistakes. Don't be afraid of getting it wrong. For every prompt I teach, there's two to 300 that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. Again, uh, Jonathan, thank you so much. It's about 3 a.m. out there. Almost. So I know you're pretty tired, but thank you so much for spending your time to give me and my viewers and other viewers and people around the world this knowledge about ChatGPT, warning us about the future. You know, I feel like uh, what's the guy's name on Terminator? Um, John Connor. Yeah, John. I feel like you're, yeah, you're like the John Connor warning us. Like it's kind of well, John Connor's mother. Like hey, you know, but. Yeah, man. Thanks again. Uh, thank you so much, man. Definitely going to read your book. Definitely going to check you out. And I'm definitely going to implement ChatGPT with my own business. So again, thank you, man. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks for having me. No problem.